Most of you know me. I'm Todd. I'm one of the pastors here at the chapel, but maybe you haven't had the chance to meet my beautiful wife, Lisa. And so I'm just going to let her introduce herself. Tell them a little bit about you, Lisa. Well, good morning, Port Clinton campus. It's great to be here with you. Todd speaks fondly. I feel like I'm talking like how Paul talks about, you know, all the churches. You're spoke of fondly in our home. And so it's fun to be here with you. Um, Wear the hat of Todd's wife, another hat of Lainey, Gracie, and Carter's mom. Some of you might not know, um, I also wear the hat of teacher. I'm a first grade teacher, so that brings me a lot of joy. I love seeing these kids come to me as um, fresh out of kindergarten. I get to grow them as readers, writers, and mathematicians. So if you want to talk to me afterwards about how to improve your child's literacy, I can do that. You will notice I am not a public speaker, so if forgive me. If you just me. all ask, act like first graders, she'll be so much more comfortable today. So, yeah. You know, so raise your hand. The floor, raise your hand. You know, do whatever you need to do. Uh, yeah, so um, like Lisa said, um, or I think she said, we, we uh, actually started dating in high school. And this weekend, we're talking um, on the topic of marriage and relationships uh, from some of the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3. And so we're going to look at what, what Paul had to say to them and what that says to us uh, today. But we started... Um, we started dating when um, I was a junior. She was a senior. I went for an older woman. Um, in fact, there we are. Uh, that's a, believe it or not, that's a high, my high school graduation uh, party. And there we are. Um, that a prom date. We went to prom together. Um, and then that's our engagement picture. So Easter weekend, 1994. Yes, apparently we look young for our age. Um, <laughs> He proposed, and I said yes. Yes. And here we are at uh, our wedding. Wedding in all of our wedding bliss, um, and then happily, you know, ever after, um, and then our first fight, um, which, by the way, she started. That's I mean, not true. I was trying to be nice, you know, but she just, eh, you know, yeah. Anyway, um, and then here we are today. So these are our kids. Um, we have Lainey, who's right next to me in the picture. She's actually a sophomore at Indiana Wesleyan University studying strategic communications, and she's a college cheerleader, which um, great, brings great fear and joy all at the same time. <laughs> and then our middle daughter, Gracie, in the white hat is actually a senior in high school, and she will actually this week turn 18. And then our little guy, Carter, is officially a teenager as of a couple weeks ago. Seventh grade, yes. So... So that's us. Um, yeah, did you tell them we've been married for 24 years? I think so. Okay, yeah. So I just needed to make sure I said it publicly, out loud. And um, August 26th is the anniversary, so just for a little bit of brownie points there. Um, yeah, so like I said, we, we, uh, we want to talk about um, what Paul had to say to the Colossian believers in chapter 3 of this powerful letter that he wrote. And we want to be honest with you guys. Some of the, the, the concepts that we're going to talk about, in fact, the very first verse that we're going to look at, and it's in your sermon notes if you've already looked ahead, um, it's, some of these ideas and concepts are hard for us to grasp, especially in our culture today. And some of what Paul had to say to them may seem like, yeah, that's way outdated. It's kind of archaic. Um, isn't that kind of old school? Um, and yet... Uh, there, there might be something there for us to, to really learn from. And so we speak um, today together not as experts, for sure, um, 
but as fellow strugglers and, and fellow learners. And uh, you might already be here and you're saying, oh great, a message on marriage and where does that leave me if I'm a single? And let me just speak to that just briefly. If you're here and you're a single or you're single again, uh, we are so grateful for you and grateful that you are here this morning. And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter of Colossians, he himself was single and God used him in one of the most profound ways. Um, and, and in fact, in some of his other writing, he talks about the, the gift, really, that singleness can be, the freedom that it brings, only being concerned with just serving the Lord and not having to be concerned with a spouse. And so there's a great gift in singleness, and we hope that you'll still be able to lean in and learn something today, either that will help prepare you better for if and when God brings that special someone into your life, or for you to be just the, the greatest single and cheerleader and encouragement to other married people in your life that you can be. In fact, just this last week, um, Lisa and I got a, a little note from a lady that goes to our Norwalk campus. She regularly sends us these notes. She's single. Um, just these notes of encouragement. She'll include scripture. She'll include prayers. She is such an encouragement to us, and she's a single woman that just helps us know how to better follow Jesus um, and, and encourage uh, each other in that as well. So, so singles, thank you for being you, and thank you for being here, and thank you for, for listening in. Um, so we're going to dive into Paul's words to the, to the Colossians, and uh, if you remember last week, our bottom line truth for the weekend was Jesus died so that we could what? Live. Jesus died so we could live, live a whole new life. And we talked about how that new life begins with a whole new heavenly focus um, on, on Jesus and who he is and all that he's done for us. And unless we get a hold of that, our focus being on Jesus, we'll never be able to live out Paul's next words that he gives us in this letter. And it's, it, it begins in Colossians chapter 3, and this is the verse that we want to start with. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands. I'm so glad Lisa's up here doing just what I asked her to do, um, you know. Which that is true. <laughs> so we, we read, I know we read that verse, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And right away, uh, some of us in the room are feeling uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Some of us are feeling like, wow, that seems really old. Like, that's the old way. That's not, that's not very 2019, 2020. You know, what is this all about? And yet maybe, maybe the reason we have the reaction to that word is because we really don't fully understand what it truly means. Uh, maybe it means that we've never actually seen a relationship that's been lived out with a biblical kind of love and even this word, submission. Um, the truth is, in our culture, there's not a whole lot of healthy, flourishing relationships, right? I think we can all agree to that. Um, and so perhaps the modern way of approaching relationships isn't all that it's cut out to be either. And so we want to just challenge all of us to just lean into this truth and see if we can't better discover what Paul was really meaning when he said these words, wives, submit to your husbands. But Lisa, you're up here, and it's good to have a woman's perspective. Um, and so, like, when you hear that phrase, like, what does it do to you? What, what do you think? What do you think 
our culture is responding to. Well, I think the word submit, that verb, has a negative um, connotation to most people. They look at it as a, a ruling over, a sense of obedience, mm -hmm. sense of dominance in the husband role. So I think what we should do first is talk about so we can understand what submission does not mean. Yeah. So, so a, a great way of understanding what something is is also understanding what it is not. And so maybe these will help clarify. So first of all, submission does not mean less value or importance. This is so, so key. Because as soon as we start to think uh, of this word submit, it sounds like, well, one must be better, more important, and then the one that is lesser needs to fall in line, right? That They must have less importance or less value. And that is not the case at all. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Um, I love what Matthew Henry says in his commentary. He says, the woman was made out of Adam's side. Now, this is significant. He says, she was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm uh, to be protected, and near his heart to be loved. So when, when we're talking about this word submission or submit, and the way that Paul is talking about it, it has nothing to do with less value or less importance. You as women and as wives are just as valuable, just as important as anyone. In fact, more so. All right? Second one. So submission does not mean the dominance of man. In fact, this verse in particular was to the wife men, sorry. It's actually not even addressing you. It's addressing the wife's spirit and her response in your relationship. So our role as a wife is not to cater to or be enslaved by. In fact, we have a mutual friend who shall remain nameless. If he's listening to our podcast, hey, Matt. Um, <laughs> But we'd go to his house, and his dad would, like, bark orders at his mom, and he'd be like, he called her Boone, Boone, more Pepsi, Boone, coffee. And at one night we were over there, and I looked at Todd, and I said, oh, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah, so submission does not mean just the dominance of a man. And yet, honestly, that's the picture that probably many of us get, when, especially when we hear that word, submit. I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones Martin Lloyd Jones says about this particular verse. He says, men, it's her verse, not yours. Uh, that means that you shouldn't quote it at your wife. It's hers to obey, not yours to demand. It's so interesting. We think you know, well, wives, submit. I mean, we even joke like that verse, oh, it's every man's favorite verse of the Bible. And yet I've not seen too many marriages where a man barks orders and says, hey, just submit, where that turns into a loving, flourishing relationship. And that's not what Paul was talking about here. He's not just talking about dominance. And he's also not talking about abusive relationships. It's sad that we even have to talk about this in our culture today, and yet it's a reality. And sometimes, you know, even biblical submission is kind of like the Christianized way of men taking advantage of their wives, even in an abusive relationship. And let us just say, uh, when we're talking about wives submitting to husbands, we are not talking about submitting to an abusive man, to an unhealthy relationship, to somebody that is hurting you emotionally, physically, spiritually, or hurting your children. That's not what submission 
um, is. And then there's one more. And lastly, it's not submission to all men. This verse in particularly is just speaking to the husband-wife relationship. So we live in an age of women, women empowerment, and um, I do believe that women have lots of great qualities and leadership skills to be powerful and make a difference in their workplace. So like, for instance, in um, my school, my principal is a woman. So um, it's only talking about the marriage relationship. That's right. That's right. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean women, you have to submit to all men everywhere all the time. Um, he is giving specific instruction to, to husbands and wives, and that's key for us to understand. So let's talk about then, that, that's a little bit of what what it, what it is not, okay? But then it begs the question, so what is it really? What, and, and what does this particular word that Paul uses here in Colossians chapter 3, what does it really mean to submit? It's interesting that the word submit comes from a, a Latin form, um, you know, like submission, like placing my mission under the greater mission. Uh, the original Greek word that's used here, uh, uh, is hupotasso, okay? Uh, I said it. It, it's, it simply means to arrange under, okay? To submit is to arrange oneself under another. And it really is a military term. Now, I know we can quickly think, oh yeah, military, I get that. That's just another sergeant barking orders and demanding stuff. And you know what? There's abuses in the military just like there are abuses in relationships and in marriage. Um, Dennis Rainey says what this really means, it's to fill each vacancy so that every rank and file of the formation is complete and at full strength and ready to go into battle. So in this way, this this idea of submission really is that of a a soldier who places themselves under like a a squad leader uh, of their platoon, say and they're willingly submitting. Now, again, that squad leader could be a terrible leader. They could take advantage. They could use their power and wield their power over the other soldiers. And sometimes, unfortunately, that happens in in our day and age. But that's not how a good squad leader acts. It was interesting, um, just last week, coming off of last weekend's message, um, Dave Morris is is one of our church members. Um, He just loves to study the Word of God. And even as we were preparing for this message, he reached out in an email this past week, and he said, you know, I'm thinking about the the verses that you guys are going to talk about this week. Submit, you know, wives, submit to your husbands. Um, And he said, I know that 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 doesn't go over well in our society, but I, I don't think people really understand what it means and what it means to submit, but submit to a good squad leader. And here are some of the things that he said uh, about what a good squad leader does, okay? So this really is for us men. He says, a good squad leader definitely leads his team, but he knows his team. And he focuses on taking advantage of each person's strengths so that the team's goals are met. He said, if a squad leader acts like a dictator, he's going to squash his team and lose on their contribution. And the team won't perform as well as it should. He goes on, he says, a good squad leader is responsible to his team, but he never forgets that he's also responsible to his superior and his superior's goals, not his own goals, which is so interesting because as as husbands in the relationship, yeah, we might have a leadership role, but we are not the lead. We have a superior, and that superior is Jesus, and he's our Lord. 
Um, finally, he says about a good squad leader, a good squad leader is willing to die for his team. He's going to rush the pillbox when his guys are pinned down. He's going to stay behind to cover the pass so that his team can get away, sacrificing himself to save the ones that he's responsible for. This is, this is really a picture of what Paul says next to husbands. He's already said, okay, wives, submit to your husbands. That is, place yourself under your squad leader. But what kind of squad leader are we as men to be? All right? And so he gives this now command to the men. He says, so husbands, love your wives. Love them. It's a verb. It's an action. Uh, it's a day, day in and day out uh, decision to put somebody else's needs actually before our own, to love them, and, and then to never treat them harshly. So he's giving us a caveat here to help us understand what this love looks like. This is not a harsh love. This is a kind, a gentle kind of love. Elsewhere in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the roles, again, of husbands and wives. And here he adds something. He says, husbands, this means loving your wives in what way? What does that really look like, Paul says? He says, just as Christ loved the church, and catch this, guys, he gave up his life for her. A, a, a wife's role might be to submit and to place herself under the leadership of her husband, but it's the husband's role to die for his wife. And if, if we started living that way as men in, in serving our wives with a sacrificial kind of agape, godly kind of love, that would make all the difference. I love what Stephen Cole says. He says, biblical love is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment which shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one that is loved. You guys, we, men, we have our work cut out for us. We could walk around the house all day long and embark orders and say submit, but Jesus is calling us to a a whole other level of loving and leading our wives. And we, we have to step up. And if we did, it would make our wives' response a whole lot easier, right? Yes? Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we want to talk about um, what submission then really is, right? Um, you want to... Yeah. Let us into this. Sure. So just a little snippet into our lives. I mean, ladies, I'll be honest, I hit the jackpot with Todd. He's always very <laughs> humble when he talks about himself. But because of that... Get my wallet out. <laughs> I'll, pay, I'll pay you afterwards. But, but the way he treats me, it makes it easy for me to respond to him with a submissive spirit. So just... Four practical ways that I think that um, we as wives can show this in our daily lives, in our homes, is by, number one, inviting and affirming your husband's leadership. So it's that picture of allowing your husband to sit in that driver's seat, but that doesn't mean you passively sit 
as a passenger. That means you look at yourself as the co-pilot, the teammate. So in those moments of frustration, because let's be real, they happen, it's surrendering your right as a wife to micromanage him. It's also surrendering your right to manipulate him, ladies, because I think that's something that we could easily do if we wanted I, I to. Love, do, you, do you remember my big fat Greek wedding? And, uh, and I, I, sorry, I'm throwing this in. So, so um, the, the, the Greek mom is uh, saying to her daughter, you know, her daughter wants to get married to this guy who's a non-Greek. And she says, Mom, what are we going to do? Dad's never going to let me marry this guy that's non-Greek. And, and the, 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 this, this uh, sweet and, and stout uh, Greek woman, she says to her daughter, she says, let me tell you something. The husband may be the head, but the wife is the neck. And the neck turns the head. Anyway, she likes it to go. <laughs> There's a little bit of too much truth to that. Okay, sorry. Anyway. No, okay. Inviting and affirming your husband's leadership. Yes. And letting him interrupt you when he wants to. <laughs> so it's also choosing to focus on what he's doing right instead of focusing on what he's doing wrong. So it's affirming over criticizing him. So it's that balance of knowing when to be quiet, and knowing when to speak. And I think back to like when our kids were little. Um, I like a tidy home. That's just how I was raised. And so when I'd have my mom time, which moms, if you have little ones, I know that's super important to you. You need that for your sanity. So husbands, give that to them. It will make your life a lot happier too. But when I would come home and I would see those dishes still in the sink or I would see toys everywhere, my first initial gut instinct was to want to say something about that our house was a wreck. But I learned over time that that was so not important to the big picture, that he was spending time with our kids, investing in him or investing in them. And also using words of affirmation telling your husband that he's a hard worker, being flexible when he gets called to the hospital on a Friday night right after the football game. True story. Um, telling him he's a generous giver and a good provider and an amazing grandpa and thanking him for his wisdom. I really feel like women, we do have the power of persuasion and our opinion and our influence can challenge our husbands, which can not only contribute to the health of your marriage, but his relationship with your children and with his relationship and his walk with Jesus. You know, today in our society, there's such a huge emphasis on being a strong woman, but a strong woman doesn't always have to be a loud woman. You know, there's a lot of um, strength in knowing when to be quiet, and we all know that actions speak louder than words. Yeah, I was going to add, you know, on this this point of, um, in uh, the last point, inviting and affirming your husband's leadership, um, it, it was just uh, several, several weeks ago, and um, Lisa knew that I had a big meeting, and there's just some hard things and some heavy things, and she knew I was kind of going into failure mode and like, oh gosh, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get through this? And she just shot, uh, shot me this little text message and it all it said was, hey, you got this. Um, I believe in you. You're a great leader. You can do this. And I mean, I, I've saved that text. Like that meant like the world to me in that moment. And so can I just reaffirm what Lisa's already said to you ladies that it means 
it means everything when you show your um, affirmation of your husband's leadership and his ability there. Um, we're all just little boys that need some, some encouragement and some lifting up, if I'm being honest. Um, and uh, you, you guys have the, uh, the power to, to be able to, to offer that to them. So. And I think that we all live in a world of critics. Everyone is quick to jump to complain or to mm. point out what we're doing wrong. And so it's likely that there's many days that your husband will come home feeling like a failure in the workplace. And we've just really lived by this motto that we want our home to be everyone's safe place. Yeah. We really try to control the way we treat each other. We really try to control, as our kids were little, the way they spoke to each other, the way they treated each other, because that's the one place in the entire world where everyone should feel loved and valued and safe. Yeah. And so we can be his biggest fan and his teammate. With that, but with that being said, number two, bring your strengths into the marriage. So submission is for strong women, but it's also for women who feel weak and need to be empowered to use your voice and to share your strengths in your home. And Lisa, she is a strong woman. She may be small, but let me tell you, she's mighty. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so bring your strengths to the marriage. What else does that mean? I mean... Would you say? Yeah, so like we mentioned earlier, that your actions speak louder than your words, knowing when to be quiet and knowing when to speak up. So ladies, what are your strengths? What do you have to bring into your marriage relationship and into your family's home that would make the biggest difference and that your family and your home will never be the same without them? Maybe you're the patient wife and you're the patient mom or you're thoughtful. You send notes, you send texts, you make cookies, you plan outings. Maybe you're organized. Whatever it is, use those strengths because I believe that God will make those strengths all the difference in your relationships. And thirdly, just showing an attitude of respect. Yeah. So that looks like when you are going to have disagreements or things happen and they're frustrating, really just expressing your differences in a way to your husband that are respectful. It doesn't mean that you don't have to say something, but how are you saying it? It means getting your point across with a Christ-like way. For me, that's often thinking before I speak. And also, there's lots of times that there's lots of things in my thought bubble that I'd like to say, but I choose to not say them. So that attitude of self-control is super important. And submission is fighting the temptation to be argumentative or hostile or passive-aggressive. So um, we're experiencing this right now. It's not a huge deal, but we are not in agreement of how to spend Thanksgiving. No, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> So yesterday we dropped Carter off at his first swim meet, and then we went and had a delicious smoothie. And so he said what he wants to do, and I said what I wanted to do, which are not the same for thing Thanksgiving. for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so we decided that it was definitely not worth having an argument about, so we're going to take a couple days and come back together. And this is one of those situations, at least for me, I just said, when we come back in a couple of days, if we don't agree, you just decide. Because it's not worth making it that big of a deal. And lastly, entrusting your husband and your marriage to God. That we all believe that God has a plan for our lives. It tells us that in the Old Testament. And I know that that's so true. So God put us together. Todd is supposed to be my helpmate and I'm supposed to be his helpmate. So in those moments where we have conflict or there are challenges... Just entrusting that and letting go of that control and allowing God to just guide your next step and help you make those decisions. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting that in, in Paul's words to husbands and wives, in, back in Ephesians chapter 5, where he said, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, um, a couple of verses before, before he addresses it all, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, he says these words. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so there is both a, a mutual submission with one another, especially when we as husbands seek to truly love and give up our rights for the sake of our bride, and when a wife then says, I, I want to follow your lead and I submit, I, I'm placing myself under you, but you're my, you're my squad leader that I know is going to be there for me, that's, that's looking out for me, that has my best interests in mind and our family's best interests um, at heart. Uh, but it's not always easy, right? And so we want to close with this. What, what do we do when loving and submitting is not easy, right? What, what do we do uh, when we're trying to hold up our end of the bargain? Maybe we're a husband and we're, man, we're really trying to love our spouse, um, but she, she just wants to do her own thing and doesn't, doesn't want to uh, come under that leadership, continues to just push back so hard. Or what about when, when you're a wife and, man, you're trying to respect and honor your husband, but he's not loving and cherishing you. How do we do that? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we were in our small group that meets at our house on Sunday nights, and we've been in a study with Andy Stanley. Um, and uh, he said something that, that caught our, all of our attention. He said, he said these words. He said, you know, if Jesus was on this earth, I don't think he'd make a great marriage counselor. And so, of course, you're like, what? Jesus wasn't good at something? Well, like, what, what's this all about? And, and here's what he said next. He said, because if Jesus were to meet up with a couple and say, you know, she's saying, well, he just won't, and he just does, and, and he's saying, oh, well, she'll, she never, and he, Jesus would simply look at them and say, are you loving them? And I'm sure that the man would say, yeah, but, well, that's not really what I'm talking about. She won't do this, or she keeps doing this, and he'd, and he'd just simply say, but are you loving her? See, that's what it's about. And he went on to say, you know, the only thing, we, we can't control our spouse's responses, reactions, what they do or don't do. All we can control is us. And all we are responsible for ultimately is being faithful to Jesus and doing what he's called us to do. So husbands, that means what he's called us to do, no matter what, love. Love them like crazy. And wives, what does that mean? No matter what, follow, respect, honor, submit. And when we live in that kind of posture, uh, God is going to move and he's going to work and he's going uh, to bless. I love what, uh, what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, which really is an ultimate picture of submission. Because Jesus was in a submissive relationship to his Father in heaven. And as he approached the cross, that we've talked about this weekend, uh, where he gave up, was going to give up his life, where he was going to uh, be nailed, spiked to a wooden cross, and suffer, and bleed, and die, Jesus, before that moment, bows his head in the garden, and he prays this powerful prayer, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. In other words, what he was saying is, I, this is hard, this is not easy, Father. I don't want to do this unless it's 
what, what absolutely has to be done. And then look at what he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus submitted to the Father, both out of love and obedience. And when we love our wives the way we ought to love them, it ought to make it a blessing for them to say, I'll follow you, not my will, but yours be done, because your will is really looking out for all of our best interests. So we, we always like to give a couple next steps, um, oops, uh, next steps uh, for, for, for our chapel family. It, maybe you're here this week and you say, man, yeah, we need some help. We need some support in, in figuring out our relationship. And what is so cool, in 2020, um, we are going to be hosting a Focus on the Family uh, seminar weekend conference um, with live and in person, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley. And they're going to be talking about things like how to build a marriage that feels like the safest place on earth. At least talked about that. The home should be the safest place that we have. Um, they're going to talk about how to use healthy conflict to better manage our differences. Notice it doesn't say how to avoid conflict. It says how to use healthy conflict uh, to manage our differences. And then how to communicate in a way that creates a deep connection. And so all that's going to happen on Friday, March 6th, and Saturday, March 7th. So you might want to mark your calendar now. In fact, I believe the link is already set up on um, our website. If you want to register, you can text the word marriage uh, to that number on the screen. That information will be available in our What's Happening guide, or you can find it online. But it's a super, super awesome opportunity for us as a church family to gather together and to learn together and to grow together when it comes to our marriage um, relationships. In addition to that, in the month of January, we're going to start um, a monthly Marriage Matters Night, special date night for you and your spouse. Um, I think the, the third Friday of the month, January, February, March, April, um, we're committed to doing those. And that might be a great opportunity, again, to invest in your relationship, invest in your marriage. And then I want to give you guys one last next step, okay? As we've been sitting here and, and listening and talking and thinking together about our, all of our relationships, whether it's with our um, spouse or perhaps it's even with our kids, um, you know, if you've heard something and in, in, inside you're like, man, I love my husband, he does that. Or, you, or you've been sitting here and you thought, ah, this makes me so grateful for my, my wife. She, she lives that out. Maybe, maybe it's time to write them a note or send them a text message that just says, hey, as, as we heard the message this weekend, here's something that it made me so appreciate about you. I'm telling you, it, mean the, it would mean the world. Or maybe as we've been sitting here, we've been honest enough with ourselves, and we go, man, I have dropped the ball. I've dropped the ball in leading and loving my wife the way that really Jesus calls me to. Or maybe you'd say, hey, I've dropped the ball in showing honor and respect to my husband. And so maybe, maybe that, that letter, it's an apology. It's a, it's a, I admit I've blown it. I want to do better. Thank you for loving me anyway. All right? We want to give you those next steps. I'd love to pray for us as we close. God, thank you that you are with us and you care. Thank you for being the great uh, weaver of our lives, uh, bringing us together in relationships. God, I pray for the singles in the room that you would be the satisfaction of their souls and that you would continue to lead them and empower them. And I pray for husbands and wives that we would take Paul's words to the Colossians and to us to heart, that you would help us to love our wives as Christ loved the church, to not be harsh with them, 
And God, I pray that you'd give grace to the wives to fall under their platoon leader, their squad leader that looks out for them, and that there would be great honor and respect, and even this word submission, as we better understand it today now. In Jesus' name, amen.